Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at NapaBroadcasting.com. As life settles back to normal here in the Napa Valley, we have the glorious benefit of hindsight now to begin to look back and try and ascertain not only the causes and lessons of the recent fires, but also to get to see how the community and its leaders responded. And it does matter. You know, Michelle Obama once said in talking about the presidency that being president doesn't change who you are, it reveals who you are. The same might be said of disasters. Over and over again throughout the country, we see how the response to such disasters reveal who our leaders really are and how they respond and step up to the challenge. In our case here in Napa, our current chairman of the Napa County Board of Supervisors, Bilia Ramos, revealed her character, her skills, and even when the microphone wasn't at her level, she more than rose to the occasion. As we look back and reflect on the 250 hours that changed this community, it is my pleasure to welcome Bilia Ramos to Napa Broadcasting. Bilia, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Jeff, for having it, me. It's great to have you here. As I mentioned to you in, uh, in talking to people about the fire, you know, there have been lots of conversations and lots of people doing a great job talking about road closures and roads that are open and repopulation. And uh, that's one part of this whole thing. But the other part of it is the human story. People that went through it are leaders like yourself that went through this and that really had to reach down deep to to accomplish so much for the community. Talk a little bit first about how this all began for you, how it started that, that Sunday night into Monday morning. That Sunday evening uh, when I should have been doing laundry, instead I was watching rerun episodes of Blue Bloods. And I got a message um, from our then interim, now now permanent CEO, Mentran, that there, was a f- that there were um, two fires and we were activating the EOC. And I texted him, do I need to come in? And he said, why don't you get some rest and you can come in the morning? And I then knew I I wasn't going to get any rest. I couldn't just sit around and do nothing. So I called my mom. I'm I'm a single mom with three kids and they were asleep. I just, I didn't know what the magnitude was just quite yet. And do I wake them? Do I not? And I called my mom and I said, grab some clothes for you. My dad, grab your medicines. My dad was out picking at night. Mm. um, So he wasn't even home. I need you to come here and don't turn on the TV, don't turn on the radio. She didn't have to turn on the TV or the radio. She walked outside her home in Browns Valley and saw the sky glowing red. And she called and she she was panicked, obviously. And she said, how bad? And I said, I just don't know right now. Just get here and I'll go, I'll go find out. She came to my house and... Um, it seemed like I hung up, and the next thing I knew, she was at my front door. And um, I I remember telling her, I said, I, I don't know what's happening. If the kids don't go to school tomorrow, I'm cool with that. I'll call you when I get a, when I get a chance. 
not knowing that that would be the last time I'd be able to actually talk to my mom right. for really a, a couple days because of of what we were just about to what was just about to come to to light for me. Once you got down to the EOC, talk a little bit about who was there and, and, and the way it came together. Kevin Toohey was is obviously in charge of it. And a little bit about what the sense was about initially how bad this was, how long it was going to last, and then as it evolved, finding out that, that this was spreading. As you walk into the EOC, the previous board made a tremendous investment in creating a flip of a switch emergency operations center. Um, you see the white jackets, which are command. You see the yellow jackets, logistics. You see your operations in red, and you see your plans people in blue vests. It was the smoothest, given the chaotic circumstances that were happening at that time, it was smooth. Um, there were, the news was, was up on the big screens, and uh, people were starting to roll in just come on in and it was amidst the amidst the chaos that was outside and and what our first responders were dealing with on on the EOC side it was controlled it was measured it was strategic it was calm um and that never, ever ceased being what was going on at the EOC, because that's what we do at the EOC. It's, it's the EOC's role to ensure that communication is accurate and that the needed information is getting out there in, in, in a calm manner to ensure to, to ensure peacefulness, even in the most unpeaceful situations. I want to talk a little bit about getting information out there, because there was one aspect of this that, that I thought was pretty unique and was pretty consistently unique throughout the entire crisis. In many crises, I can think back to the earthquake and, and certainly crises in other communities, there's often a public information officer, some official from the county, a county chief executive officer, who becomes the spokesperson for what's going on. In this case, either a decision was made or it evolved accordingly that all of the electeds together would go out there, and you were up front uh, early on, that all of the electeds would go out there and they would be the spokespeople for this, that that you and, and other members of the Board of Supervisors and Mike Thompson and Bill Dodd and, and Celia, Cecilia would all be the spokespeople for this and that it wouldn't be through a PIO or, or an executive. Talk a little bit about how that decision evolved. I think in the moment it just, um, it organically came about. Um, I really felt um, in my position as chair you know, people, I, I've said this so many times, and and now I can actually say I know what it feels like, and I've said I, it's always been a privilege for people to entrust me with leading Napa County. 
that's my job. That's for me to do. That's not for me to put staff out there and, and have them be the messengers. We were chosen, all of those elected officials, we were chosen to lead our communities. And if you can't lead in the worst of times, you're not entitled to lead in the, in the best of times, in my opinion. And um, I, I made that decision. So every morning we'd sit down, sat down in briefing, and we, we divvied it up. Who would talk about what and why? Um, and, and with very careful consideration as to ensuring that people would not only initially trust us, but build upon that trust to know that we were going to get them that information as soon as we had it. Mm-hmm. How difficult was it or how easy was it for you and the other electeds to get the information from law enforcement, from fire first responders. How was that information coming in? That information all comes in through the EOC. So operations um, in which law enforcement was implanted in operations, they're one of the the red vests. Um, as soon as a road closure was going down, it went up on the road closure map. Then it would go to that incident board that that incident map so we had a a board for road closures we had a board for the incident themselves and you know we were dealing with three fires and then at one point when the nuns crossed over and had not joined with Patrick we were dealing with four fires and then we would put that on our PIO board of how we were going to get that out and how we would push that out um, fully understanding that Nixle could not be what we relied on for everything. And so we turned to far less traditional, um, right. uh, you know, you say, tra- I say traditional, but I say traditional now in 2017, but I guess, you know, traditional, my, my opinion has changed on radio. My opinion has changed of whether I think that Facebook is a traditional method. Um, we realized that, that, People did want to hear from people, the people that that they knew, the people that they elected. And and at, at some point, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, we realized that our own social media platforms, our personal ones, were informing thousands of people. And in that, talk about your learning curve personally with respect to fighting fires, how it was done, how decisions were made in terms of of where the effort would be put to fighting the fire versus life and public safety, which was also a separate concern early on. Talk about how you got a, a sense of how this all worked among the professionals that had done this before. Well, um, I came with a little bit of experience having, having served on the American Canyon Fire Protection District. And although we only had a, f- a few fires during my tenure on, on as a board member there, I did speak um, a little bit of fire at the time. Um, so I understood that in, 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 at a basic level. I think what I, what, helped me the most in coming up to speed is knowing that I had to trust the professionals 
that that was their job, that we all had a role and we had to rely upon our relationships and the trust we have been building over time. Um, we have an amazing county fire chief, Barry Beardman with Cal Fire, that um, every morning would come in. Here's the situation. No sugarcoating whatsoever. And, and, and there were days he'd walk in, he'd say, this is how bad it is. It's coming this way. It's coming that way. And understanding, um, understanding how to, to take that technical message and translate it to be able to present it. You know, I think that's, I gotta say, I, um, not a practicing lawyer anymore, but gosh, I've used this law degree in <laughs> ways I never thought I, I would and 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 my my oral advocacy and my ability to tell a story and to paint the picture that you're taught in law school that came through for me that that's what I drew upon um, certainly i um I never. I, I never injected myself, none of us did, into that, that life-saving and firefighting mode. That That's not our specialty, nor should it mm -hmm. be. And we were, we were all overwhelmed by the immensity of this disaster. At what point was that most evident to you? How big this was? How large in scope this fire was? The four fires. I think when the when the Partrick and the nuns joined um, that first Wednesday to Thursday. That first Wednesday to Thursday, I just. Uh, there were moments I felt like um, my my knees were going to buckle. I we heard so many times it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse, and I I remember the time that we heard from from uh, Chief Beerman and um, tonight will make us or break us. And it was that night when the winds were expected to come back really right. strong on Wednesday night. I went to Cal Fire Incident Command. Um, I was with Sheriff Robertson. We had toured some areas and I'm still seeing hot spots and trying to communicate that message to people. Don't go in and here's why. Um, I went into Incident Command at the Nap Valley Expo uh, I was there for, for dinner. I was talking to our deputies and all our mutual aid law enforcement that were there. And I'm having some really delicious chicken that was made by Karen Cake Bread, and I want her to make me some more. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was the stillest it had ever been. It was eerie. Like you, you could actually hear the stillness. And I said, I thought there was supposed to be wind. And 
someone said maybe God changed his mind. And that's that was that moment where that night was one of the longest nights. How were you impacted? First of all, what did you hear? What did you know about what was taking place in Sonoma and Santa Rosa and the devastation there, particularly to houses and, and, and it moving into urban areas? What did you know about that, and how did that feed your concerns about what could happen here? When um, certainly the the Tubbs fire and its reach into the city of Santa Rosa I I knew how serious things were. Um, you could tell from when we were watching the television. We were watching the television screens. And the Monday night, Tuesday night, they wanted a lot of live phone from right. me. And on Wednesday night, they by Wednesday, they didn't. Um, and you could see the shift moving over to Sonoma. Um, I watched it mostly from from television. Um, we did receive reports um, of tubs and and nuns as they were dual county right. and dual incident response fires. Uh, we did receive um, reports from them, and it was disbelief. My reaction was absolute disbelief. You, you to think that a wildland fire went urban with the intensity and heat of a wild and speed of a wildland fire in an urban center. You just, you can't even put your, your mind around it. Just like I, it's difficult to put my mind around the fact that we did not start off with a wildland fire. We started off with a firestorm with hurricane force winds. And when you put that all in your mind, you know, there, there are moments that I think, but for the grace of God, we didn't understand. We didn't stand a chance. I think when when Brad Long, the head of FEMA, was here at a little press conference that he did, he said one of the things that was most frightening about this, from his perspective, was the degree to which a wildland fire moved into an urban area the way it did. Absolutely, I spoke with our incident commander, Kevin Lawson, Incident Team uh-huh. Three, and. He said, you know, he's, I think he said he's been doing this 27 years. And he said, I would have felt safe setting up an incident command inside a Walmart. And he's like, and now I have to rethink that. E- even for, for our fire professionals, this was like something we, we had never seen. Um, that, that speed at which it moved that um, it was tremendous. Were there any disagreements, conflicts, issues that had to be resolved in some kind of mediated way among all of the people involved during the course of this? You know, I wouldn't say issues. I think that there were definitely those moments where where we knew that there was... um, a public concern that needed addressing. Um, I I can't even. Um, it, it's. I know it must seem strange for people to 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 believe, 
but with all the people, dozens and dozens of people in the room at times in command and then the thousands of people out in the field. Um, we always operated from a from the position of public safety and stopping this fire and communicating with people. The, those those three things, they happened always at the same time. And the firefighting had to hold back because the life-saving was overwhelming. I mean, we, we had right. three days of, of life safety. That's it. And, and it was a move on out and that fire's coming and get the next round of people out. Um, and no day was, was more evident of that than the day that Calistoga had to be evacuated. Um, and, and, you know, we, we'd sit down and we'd say, how do we do this? How are we going to go about doing this in a calm fashion? How are we going to, um, ensure to our residents that, um, that we, while we could not control the fire, we had the evacuations under control. Um, we did that. And, um, I, I'm so proud of, to be part of the team that is to be counted among them, Jeff. It's, it's an amazing group of professionals that operate with the greatest level of compassion. And that's, it was that compassion that got us through those discussions to ensure that we didn't get to conflict. As the whole thing began to unfold into the second and third day, talk a little bit about what roles the electeds really played in all of this in terms of both at the EOC and outside. Certainly the, the key thing, is, as we've talked a lot about, is communication, getting the word out. And you all worked incredibly hard on that. What other roles do the, did the electeds play as this thing unfolded? Advocates. Um what we normally do the constituent services wow we we pulled in some 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 hard hours on constituent services um they ranged from the person you know that emailed me seven times to say you forgot my street you forgot to clear my street no i did not forget to clear your street here's why your street's still closed picking up the phone to the person who was um you know upset about the changed process in, in gaining access for agricultural purposes. Um, gaining access to agri for agricultural purposes. That's what those supervisors did. That was a tremendous lift. Cal Fire has never previously, never previously granted access into evacuation areas for agricultural access. And what we knew is that for every, for every moment that we were in the present dealing with evacuations, we had to be looking at two weeks out or now three weeks out, debris management. We had to start thinking, mm -hmm. you know, gosh, where are landfills? What are we going to do here? To six years to a year out of, of that, that potential secondary disaster, which would be the economic disaster, um, knowing that this is harvest time, 
there is liquid in tanks. Um, there, um, there are, are people's jobs at stakes. Um, you know, one, one of the greatest sufferings that we have right now is of all the people who are unable to work. When you think about the city of Calistoga, the city of Calistoga was closed for five days. Nobody went home. Nobody worked there. Um, it was those things that the supervisors had to, to, um, to maneuver, to advocate for, um, to work with law enforcement and CAL FIRE on that, but to, to be the messenger. Um, one of the things, interestingly enough, I, in talking to the incident commander, Kevin Lawson, he said, you know, I was, I was pretty nervous about you and, and, and everybody else out there giving the message. And, and he said, but it was beautifully executed. He said, and Sheriff Robertson has said the same thing. Chief Beerman has said the same thing. The board rose to take that burden off of those that had another job to do what I consider the most important job Mm -hmm. to do to secure our safety. We lifted the message away from them and carried it for them. And in doing so, we freed up staff to do what needed to be done, including our PIO. Our PIO was coordinating all of this. Normally a PIO would coordinate and do speaking and, and press releases. She, we had three PIOs, um, our deputy CEO, Molly Radigan, mm-hmm. acted in PIO capacity. Our our permanent PIO, Christy Christina. Jordan. And then we also um, had Nikki Lundin, who who stepped up from, from county and, uh, and helped us in that capacity. So we had three rolling PIOs, 24 hours a day. We had our staff assistants. They were alternating shifts, 24 hours a day, making sure every board member was prepared. Every board member was out talking to someone, um, it, whether it was it was news, whether it was radio, um, television, print. We were out there, and if if we weren't doing that, um, our 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 free time was taken up on Facebook and right. and, and our posts there. Um, in doing so, and freeing up staff. Um, you know, it served a dual purpose. I, I was able to help all of us, not just our staff, but our residents. Um, we were able to, to put faces to what was happening at the EOC level. You hear in disasters of the EOC and the EOC and right. the EOC and and, and people don't emerge from the EOC because we have bunk beds there so they can actually stay there. They don't ever actually emerge out of the EOC. We emerged from the EOC to carry that message forward in English and in Spanish and American Sign Language and every medium of communication was utilized. The idea of doing regular briefings every day at the same times. Talk a little bit about that. Well, 
on the first day we did it because we the there was the request and we said sure sure we'll do it on the second day that we did a briefing on tuesday it was actually worse than the first day so we felt like we still needed to do it and the third day was worse than the previous and we felt like we still needed to do it as it was it soon became evident to us in the feedback that we were receiving um, through the county me personally that people were tuning in to watch at 9 a.m. that that was their morning talk show if you will for that week that reliance that dependence turned into trust by that day three mm-hmm. and we realized we couldn't let up and so um, when I was asked if if I wanted to continue I, I said yes we will continue until such point that we can say we're done with the evacuation and then you started doing a four o'clock <laughs> and then we did a we did a couple of four o'clocks to coordinate with um, with FEMA and OES and 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 really look at um, really look at reaching the community personally um, and and connecting with them on 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 what matters to to our residents moving forward. You know the the nine a.m. briefings um, I think were. Um, a symbol of consistency for residents. In some ways, um, you know, many people have shared with me some of the most beautiful reactions that they had to those 9 a.m. briefings. Last night I was having dinner at Kohl's and two people came up to me and just, I, did, I didn't know. And they said, I want to thank you for your 9 a.m. briefings. And, um, I've even heard people say, I miss those 9 a.m. <laughs> briefings. And I said, I'm really sorry the network canceled my show. <laughs> but it's it was a symbol of consistency. It was a symbol of leadership. And it was it was profound honesty that 9 a.m. meant for all of us. I, it was during those 9 a.m. briefings that um, whether it's the mic stands that dropped or that I grew, <laughs> um, I learned so much during that time. It was, it was a moment of, uh, it, it tested my character and, and really making sure that I did what I believed. I I had to do me, Jeff. I could only do me. I didn't have the bandwidth to 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 try and assume some some character trait I did not have. I only did me. And what I learned was that it's okay to say I don't know. That sometimes that's actually all I knew. And that I became comfortable with that. That I could truly pick up the phone, look someone in the face and say, I don't have the answer to your question because it's just not here. 
Talk about the evacuation centers, your visits to the evacuation centers and your reaction to what was going on there. I, um, on the night that we, when we opened up Crosswalk and, um, and for the days, I, um, the, the first two days where Crosswalk really was um, the impacted evacuation center, I actually didn't make it out to Crosswalk. Um, that day I slept an hour and 45 minutes. Um, and so I, um, I even had, a, I was so tired and I needed to read an agenda and I had a staff member drive me to an interview because I'm like, I, I'm, I, I don't know where I'm going to read my agenda and, 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 and not, uh, keel over here for lack of sleep. Um, so I did not make it to to crosswalk. I know my my colleagues um, did go over to to crosswalk and and they spent. I know my my colleague Ryan Gregory and Brad Wagonex spent a really good amount of time at crosswalk and helping set up and 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 Ryan actually really went there more for the setup part. Mm-hmm. In Napa Valley College, I came in. Um, on I think it was the second day to to do a a, a small briefing um, with Cal Fire with right. um, Sheriff and and with CHP with Commander Childs, um, and it is you know it was it's interesting for every um, frustrated person that that spoke to me in anger by email um, by phone I can or blasted me on Twitter um, none of those people were at the shelter every person at the shelter spoke to me with such gratitude for being there with them um, it's it's a great reminder that at the end of the day we're all humans we all deserve a roof over our head and food in front of us. It was pretty remarkable here. I mean, it was, and, and I wasn't over at Crosswalk, but obviously here every day, that a whole city sprung up, especially after the Calistoga evacuation. Absolutely. And, um, you know, so much so that we, we, we had to go to the next level and open a third right. evacuation <clears throat> center. And as I put it in perspective, and I think, you know, like Sonoma County, and, and I think they had 30 evacuation centers. And here we were with, with three. And I, you know, my, it's, it's that reminder is this, this was the worst disaster we, we have suffered here in Napa County. And we're suffering alongside with our brothers and sisters in Sonoma County. And, and, and there's this tenfold. And I think that when you, when you get down to, um, and that's actually one of the, the, the chief positions there, uh, one of the positions there at the EOC is shelter, care and shelter. When you get to the care and shelter perspective, what really, really matters is how you take care of people when they've had that roof over their head taken away from them, either 
by the fire or by the mandatory uh, evacuations. That's what what matters at the end of the day. I went with Councilmember David Oro to go set up the um, the shelter in American King, and I called him and I I said uh, I. I need you to meet me at the high school. And he's like, okay, cool. What are we doing? I'm like, I'm going to tell you how to open a shelter. And he's like, I- I've never done this. And I was like, you know what? I've never done it either until Valley Fire, and here we go. So meet me there. He meets me there. And he's like, so what are, what are we doing? And I was like, oh, you're going to need pen and paper. Here you go. And I handed him a notepad and uh, and a pen. And uh, and I walked through and I said, here are the things you need to oversee. We'll get you CVNL here in a bit. Um, but you you need to shepherd this until all the players come into into place and you need to message out to the community what you need, what you don't need, be consistent, um, be often and 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 get it out there and um and he did he was on facebook and, all the time and, and man did did again you know he too rose to the occasion it's even the red cross told our county um that they had never seen a more impressive operation rise up in a shelter as they did in american canyon it was it's beautiful to see the generosity and um, Johnny Cash's song of Ring of Fire is um, I, I had a playlist over the last two <laughs> weeks and it was only those few songs that I would listen to and if I may I'll tell you about each of my songs and what they mean to me and during this time and the first one was Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire because as there was fire to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, truly we were standing in our own ring of fire. And as much as that song is about love, so were our fires. Because the love that grew out of this community yet again, and this time for itself, to lift each other up, to take people in, to feed people, to clothe people, to donate money, to, to, to give a hug, to smile more, to send a thank you card, to, to post a thank you message, to put the posters around town thanking everyone. That was love. Our ring of fire brought out the best and all of us. Um, At the height of this, what were you most afraid of? You say at the height, but I would think it would be at the lowest point. I was most afraid of if there would come a point that we would have to evacuate our entire county. And I was with my 
I went to go see my kids one night to put them to bed. I had like 30 minutes. I put them to bed. <clears throat> and my mom and dad were there at my house in American Canyon. And I told my parents, you watch the TV, you listen to the radio. And if it, if it gets to Highway 12, you leave. And I'll try and find you. Um, it was it was at that moment that I knew um, for all of us when we take this position to serve that we have to prioritize. the 145,000 people that we serve over even sometimes our loved ones. Um, and um, the ones that don't get enough credit in all of this are all those people that um, we came back home to and they still miraculously loved us <laughs> <laughs> after being gone for nearly 15 days. Finally, how do you think that the county is changed by this? And I don't mean the physical changes and, and the the money part of it and, and all the other stuff that goes along with it. Psychologically, how is Napa different than it was before this? I I said it one morning during a press conference when I announced and, and urged people to seek out mental health services. I think we're we're scarred. Um, it's not we're no stranger to defining our lives by pre and post disaster. Before the earthquake, after the earthquake, before the eighty six floods, after the eighty six floods, and then there were all the other floods in between, mm -hmm. and and the before we closed the floodgates and after we closed the floodgates. It's we're used to disasters here and as i said many times we wrote the playbook here um we're good at responding and we're excellent at recovering it's it's a test of our character and our resilience each and every time i think at the county if i take it in in a few segments i think for the 1,500 men and women that work at the county, I can tell you that we are more unified, that we understand that our role is now bigger than, you know, as we, we've joked around the office, the um, job descriptions where they say, and other duties as required. <laughs> Everyone has now embraced those other duties as required and risen to to the occasion, making making me proud to be among them. We know we have to, a heavy lift at the county, but we also know that we're going to do a really good job and remain consistent with the high level of service that we always have for our residents of the county 
I, I think that for starters, they have a newfound admiration and trust in their elected officials. And I personally am, am proud and, and, and honored to have played a small role in that. We are, we are going to be stronger. We're going to learn a lot of lessons through all of this. There are going to be bumps, but we're going to be just fine. Chairman of the Napa County Board of Supervisors, Bill Uramos, I thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. Thank you. NapaBroadcasting.com.